Hi, you're listening to the preaching and teaching ministry of Second Baptist Church Conway. These resources are not designed to take the place of a local church, but we hope they will encourage you on your journey with Christ. For more information about how you can connect with the Second Family, visit mysecond.family. Thanks for listening. As I was driving in this morning, I, um, I, I recognized or I noticed again uh, that we're getting a new chicken place here in Conway. We need more chicken places, right? Amen, that's right. I'm not one of those that's complaining. The more chicken, the better. The more fried chicken. I almost was going to talk about, you know, how like at Easter they have the little baby chicks on all the pictures. You know what my favorite chicken is? Fried. And, and we got a number of fried chicken places coming here. It makes me kind of wonder or, or ask the question. Let's do this show of hands style. I'm going to name a chicken, fried chicken place. You tell me which one's your favorite. Okay, here's the options before we raise our hand. We got Slim's. That's a good one. Chicken Express. I call that chicken-y. They got the best syrup-like sweet tea in town. Raisin Canes. That's coming. That's a new one. And Zaxby's. Let's see. Let's see. Who, who in here is a big fan of the Slims? Anybody? Oh, look at those. These are straight chicken places. I know you can get chicken strips just about anywhere. What about Chicken-y? Chicken Express. Who likes that one? Yeah, you are my people. You are my people. What about uh, Zaxby's? Anybody love the Zaxby's? Okay. Anybody so excited to get a Raisin Cane's? Where are you at? All right. <laughs> nice. Oh, man, listen. Hey, uh, when you go to a chicken strip place, the thing about it is we can like parts of it, and then there's these other parts that we don't like. I, I have a friend who will tell me that he likes the chicken strips from this place, the sauce from that place, the sweet tea from that place, and the, catch this, the toast from another place. It's just how he is. Just the way it is. And, and I think a lot of us are that way, really. We, we can like a place and then not like parts of it. We're complex creatures when it comes to our chicken fried experience. We're, we're really deep in the way that we are. And, and, you know, in reality, there's a lot of things that are like that. Here's a couple of, of, of possibilities. Uh, if you like a super cheesy movie, you're like, my favorite movie is super cheesy. Who here, their favorite movie makes them cry? Anybody like that? Why would you subject yourself to crying, you know? But we do that. We're like, this is my favorite. What about, have you ever said to someone, I love you so much it hurts? Isn't that weird? That's weird. You romantics, you. I'm thinking about a time when you were excited about something, but at the same time you were scared. I only have sons, but I'm thinking about, you know, maybe when a dad walks his daughter down the aisle at her wedding, you know? He can be very excited. He can be very sad. You can be angry and not at all in favor of this, you know, all at the same time, right? I'm paying for this and I hate it, you know, so there's stuff like that. Have you ever wondered, like the Grinch, if you're hungry or you're just bored? Anybody like that? Am I eating because I'm bored, you know? What about when you text somebody something really uh, meaningful? You text them and you see the little dots pop up, you know, and you start to feel feelings and then they go away. Judging by the reaction, a lot of y'all have that feeling. You're like, I love you. You're like, uh, I was just joking. Wrong person. Mom. What about parenting? Isn't that whole experience a mixed bag of emotions? You can feel pride and fear at the same time. What if you're disciplining your child, you know? You don't want to hurt them, but you really kind of want to hurt them. You know, all of that experience, it's all mixed together. 
Parenting is this big, giant bag of mixed-up headspaces. In Luke chapter 24, Luke tells the Easter story. He does it with this emphasis on headspaces. He does it really, really pointing out the different headspaces that these people were feeling, the internal conflict that was going on in their lives. These different places where all the different characters were feeling different headspaces. And that's what we're going to look at this morning because I'm thinking that many of you walk in this room today in similar headspaces, similar things going on. And so that's what we're going to look at this morning. Let's pray together and then we'll look at the text. God, we thank you so much for what you have done and what you continue to do in and through our church. God, I pray as we take some time to focus in on your word, as we pay attention to what your word has said to us, God, I pray that we would open our minds and hearts to be changed by you, to be changed by your word. God, after this last year, it is good to our souls to gather together, to lift up your name as one church in one room, to make much of you. God, I pray for protection of our unity unity, and for our health. God, in all the ways that you would be magnified today, may it be so. In Jesus' name, we pray together as one family. Amen. Now, I'm going to be in Luke 24. I'm using what's called the Christian Standard Bible. If you don't have a Bible, we're going to be reading a couple. Luke's point is similar to other gospel writers. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John gospel writers, the good news writers, and the story that happens early on a Sunday morning. This early Sunday morning, early on a Sunday morning, all of them feature women who go to a tomb, and that tomb is empty. The point of the story, even though they all feature different perspectives and different aspects, all of them have an issue at hand. In Luke's story, like I said, he focuses in on these different perspectives, these Headspaces that people can be in on. And that's what we're going to do as we read some of this text together. Like I said, Luke 24, look in your Bible there. This is what the Word of God says. It says, On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, they came to the tomb bringing the spices they had prepared. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb. Now this first headspace that I want to talk to you about is not specifically said in the text. In other words, it's implied. You can see it if you know what's going on. You can feel it if you know the storyline. These folks that are coming to the tomb here, this first group of people, these women that are coming to the tomb, they are in a headspace, in a feeling of hopelessness. They were just suffering. They've suffered a loss, a discouragement. Any plans that they had made are now changed. All of that started when they met this person named Jesus, and all of their plans have now ended when they watched Jesus crucified, and they watched him with their own eyes laid into a tomb. All of that is going on in their hearts, this hopelessness, where the plan is ripped away from them. They, they feel like they can't go on. They feel like what they were excited about is not going to happen. In the previous chapter, we're not going to turn there, but in the previous chapter, there's this idea of, it says, where the women stood afar back watching these things. That's what it says, watching these things. These things are the death, the killing of Jesus. Watching these things as, as he was laid into the tomb. Just a few days earlier than this, everyone in this group here and a lot of people in the city expected Jesus to be uh, crowned by now, that he would be the king by now, not dead, not lying in a tomb. They felt hopelessness. They thought that Jesus was going to free them from Rome and they were going to be finally, truly, physically free. 
But all of that ended with Jesus laying in a tomb. All of that ended with Jesus being dead. They're hopeless. Just think of a time that you lost somebody. Not just to death, maybe to heartbreak. You have a friend that moves away, and you had all these plans about how y'all were going to live your lives. Maybe your fiancé changes their mind. Whatever, all of those plans are now gone. And you find yourself in this spot of hopelessness, now grieving what never was and what was supposed to happen. That's where they find themselves at. If you're a sports fan, you know this feeling. If you're a sports fan, you've, you've watched your team, and, and your team's down, you're losing, and there's just a few minutes left in the game, and the other team is draining the clock, you know? They're just, they're just doing things to make the clock go away. And I've seen this in football games. I've seen this in basketball games. And sometimes I wonder, how do you keep going through the motions? How do you keep playing knowing there's no way to overcome this? That's what they were feeling. That's the hopelessness that they were feeling. As they walked to this tomb, everything's over, and there's really, there's really just no point of going on. I think it's ironic here in this story as he says that they came with the spices that they had prepared, meaning that they were prepared to go to the tomb, but in reality, what happens next, they were completely not prepared for. Over this last year, we've all become, uh, a lot of us have become um, homeschool teachers. Y'all know? Anybody can relate to that? You've all of a sudden become a teacher. Do we have any educators here? Anybody? Look at those. Y'all, y'all um, thank our educators in our community. We're so appreciative of what you do, especially after this last year, right? like, I can't believe they had my kids in a class. My kids are the worst kids. And when you're trying to teach your kids things, you're trying to help them with their homework, especially math. I remember when my parents were trying to help me with uh, homework, they would say things like, I, I have no idea. It's been so long. I remember my dad saying that. I, I, I don't know it has been so long. It's different for us now because of, you know, new math and common core and stuff like that. We're like, literally, I have never seen this in my life. I have no idea. Is this English? What are we asking for in this, you know? We're so lost by that. It's so confusing. I'm trying to help them out, and I'm not really getting it, but eventually I got it. Eventually I, I understood what was going on there. I also eventually lowered my expectations on the upcoming report card. I thought, this is really hard. C's will be good. C's will be fine. Confusing. That's what's going on in this next text. In fact, Luke uses the word perplexed. It says, they went into that tomb that was empty. You know, the stone was rolled away. They went in but did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. And while they were perplexed about this, we're going to find out what happens right after that, but this perplexed word means that they were confused. They were not sure about what was going on. What they expected is not what they are seeing. It's totally different. This is different than the plan being ripped away. That's hopelessness. This is the inability to make a plan. Like things have changed so much that I don't know how to go forward. I don't know how to take the next step. What they had expected is completely gone. The body of Jesus Christ is gone. They're totally unable to understand what is happening and left without a single thought. They saw him laid there. With their own eyes, they saw this, and they're absolutely sure that this is the place, but he's not here any longer. They're confused. So they go hopeless. They end up being confused. And then look at this next part here. It says, suddenly... In the middle of their perplexion, in the middle of their confusion, suddenly two men stood by them in dazzling clothes. So the women were terrified. This word right here. They were terrified and bowed down to the ground. Why are you looking for the living among the dead? That's literally the story of Easter. That's the point of Easter. But we find them terrified. The next headspace is not only are they going hopeless, not only are they confused, 
but then they're also scared. Now, it's understandable, right? I think a lot of us would be uh, scared or, or, or upset in a scary place. Now, like, like, think about it for just a second. They went into a cave early in the morning. Y'all ever been in a cave? It's kind of cold. It's damp. You're expecting to find a body. They went into a cave to find a body. The body's not there. And then all of a sudden, boom, two glowing dudes, right? All of us. Would, there's not a person in this room that would not be scared. Not a person in this room that not, would not be down to your bones, terrified. Several of you would cry, and a few of you would take a swing or two at the angels, right? Trying to punch an angel of the Lord. You'd be like, sorry, man, you just you came out of nowhere, you know? And so, how weird would that be to punch an angel in the face, you know? They are terrified. They are scared. This is the headspace that they are in. This is different, of course. Hopeless means your plan is taken away. Confused means you're unable to take the next step. Terrified means whatever you do see coming at you now feels like a threat. It feels like something from the outside is going to hurt you. I'll be honest, I think scaring people is super funny. In fact, I live to scare people. Anybody else like that? It's just your life? Yeah, live to scare people. In our house right now, the big deal is to try to catch somebody in front of the truck in the garage and honk the horn. That, that's our, like my favorite thing to do. I get the boys all the time. Sometimes I've got them in groups. That's great. That's bonus points if you get three at one time. The honk of the horn and the yip of the person, that's great stuff. I've got them individually. I scared their mom one time. Never, ever going to do that again. <laughs> because I ended up scared, all right? It was worth it. But you got these different head spaces. You come, become hopeless, and then, and then you make your way to confusion. And then uh, there's terrified. And let's look at this next one here. It is the idea. You'll see, come out here real quickly. In these verses, he is not here. This is what the angels say to them. He is not here, but he has risen. Remember how he spoke to you when he was still in Galilee, saying, it is necessary that the Son of Man be betrayed into the hands of sinful men, be crucified, and rise on the third day. And they remembered these words, and returning from the tomb, they reported all these things to the, the eleven and all the rest. Like uh, Jesus' disciples, his friends, he re they reported all of these things to them. And Mary Magdalene, Joanna Mary, the mother of James, and the other women with them were all telling the apostles the same things. They were all telling, these are the names of those ladies. But these words, here's the important part, but these words seemed like nonsense to them. And they did not believe the women. They did not believe them. The next headspace that we find in this story that Luke really pushes up to the front there is doubt. They were doubtful. The women kind of get control of their emotions, get control of themselves. They understand what's going on. They hear the words of the angels. Those line up with the words of Jesus. So this is true. They go back to tell the people that Jesus did what he said he would do, and they are met with, uh, with the feeling that a lot of us would probably give to these people that tell us this story. They are met with this feeling of doubt. Like, all of this is nonsense, right? I saw him die. I saw him laid in the tomb. And so all of this is nonsense. None of this makes any sense to us. They did not believe them, and I can understand. I can understand that honestly. They are claiming something that humanly is not possible. They have doubts. Real quick review. They, they walk there hopeless. They find themselves confused. There's a stage of being terrified. They go back to tell other people, and those other people return with this response that that's not true. This is nonsense. There's doubt that is creeping up within their hearts, within the group. 
Even though they doubted, one of them has the courage to push past that doubt. One of them has the courage to push past that doubt and see what's on the other side. You see, I think that doubt is okay. I really do think that it's all right to doubt. There's a ton of stories in the Bible where people doubted what they were hearing. Just the, the, the thing that happens with doubt that makes it not okay is when we just use doubt and we sit in doubt. The idea of doubt, why God gives us doubt, the, the idea of questioning is that we're supposed to push through that doubt and use that doubt to see what's on the other side. One of the characters in the story does that. One of the characters goes on to see what happens. Luke 24, verse 12, it says, Peter, however, he got up and ran to the tomb. And when he stooped and looked in, he saw only the linen clothes, so he went away amazed. He was amazed at what had happened. Uh, the fifth and final headspace that Luke really emphasizes in his retelling of the Easter story is this amazement. Peter finds himself amazed. And what's amazing to me about Peter being amazed is all of the amazing things that Peter saw. I shared this with the group earlier, but uh, real quickly, think of all the things. If you, if you know anything about the Jesus story, think of all the things that Peter saw Jesus do. Uh, when, when Peter first meets Jesus, he tells him to cast his net to the side of the Jesus is not a fisherman. He tells a fisherman, cast your net on that side, and they pull in this amazing, huge bunch of fish. A little later on, uh, there's a story where Jesus takes three of his disciples up to the side of the mountain, and, and he speaks with Moses and Elijah, and the voice of God says, I am pleased with my son. That's something that Peter saw. One point, Jesus tells Peter, go to the lake, Catch a fish. The very first fish you catch, there will be a coin in its mouth. Use that to pay your taxes. That's, that's amazing. Another story has Jesus walking on the water, and, and Peter says, I want to do that. And Jesus says, well, come on. Peter gets out of the boat, and he walks on the water. That's amazing. That's something that Peter saw. Even a few nights before this story right here, this huge, angry mob of uh, religious leaders and, and an army come and approach Jesus in the middle of a garden late at night. Peter is uh, threatened. He feels terrified. He feels scared. He pulls a sword and he cuts the ear off of one of the soldiers. And Jesus takes the ear and sticks it back on the side of that guy's head. That's amazing. And Peter saw that. The amazing thing to me about Peter's amazement is all of the amazing things that Peter saw. There is nothing more amazing than the man who beat death. And that is what Jesus did. And he even said he would. He called it. And he beat death. So that's the Easter story. That's the story of Easter in which Luke tells this account of all of these headspaces. It happened on a Sunday morning, a lot like this Sunday morning. And so this Sunday morning, on Easter morning, let me ask you this question. Which, which headspace are you in? Are you in any of these headspaces? I wonder how many of you are hopeless. Were you thinking about ending something? Because you just don't see it getting any better. Were you thinking about harming yourself? Were you thinking about ending a relationship or your career or walking away from a marriage? Were you walking into this room? You've got your, you've got your old Navy clothes on. You're smiling. You're walking in here. You've got your coffee. But on the inside, you're hopeless. It hurts. I wonder how many of you are confused. You're not real sure how things are going to work out. The governor lifted the mask mandate last week, and you're thinking, so what's next? So like, what do we do? How do we navigate out of this? How do we go back? Is there a way to go back? 
You're confused and maybe even numb. Jesus said, if you lack answers to ask me and I will give them to you, that's not just answers to everything on how to, this, how to deal with a difficult person or how to pray um, for your workers at your office, but these are bigger life questions like, why am I here? Do I matter? What happens when I die? Maybe you walked in here and you're confused. Maybe you're hopeless. Maybe you're confused. Some of you walked in here and you're scared. You wouldn't say it, on the out, you wouldn't say it out loud, right? But you walked in here and you're a little afraid of this room. You're afraid of the crowd. Maybe you're afraid of religious people. You're not really one of those kind of church folks and you're afraid of religious people. And believe me, I have seen some that you should be afraid of. I'm a pastor. So maybe you walk in here and you're scared of these things. Maybe you're scared you're never going to find another job or that your marriage is falling apart. Maybe you're afraid that your parents are going to find out. Maybe you're afraid, maybe terrified is a better word. Deep down to your bones, you are scared to death. You are terrified, even maybe about this idea of trusting Jesus. You're scared of what that might ask of you, what Jesus expects of you. And then maybe there are some of you that are doubtful. A bunch of people doubt things that are in the Bible, right? It's a, a crazy story. Seas are parting, small armies are killing big armies, Random guys are becoming kings. People are walking on water, lots of fish, all that sort of stuff. There's a lot in there that you could maybe think, I'm not sure. I, I have doubts. Maybe you're like one of these uh, 11 in this story. You're sitting there and you're thinking, you know, I like these people. That guy seems real nice, but I, I, I don't believe any of it. I think a lot of this is nonsense. Maybe you're like the 11 and you think this is all just flat nonsense. Spoiler alert. Every one of the 11 ended up giving their lives, claiming that this was exactly true. Every one of the 11 ended up believing every single bit of this. So maybe that's like you. Maybe you're in that spot. One of my favorite quotes in the Bible happens when Jesus is trying to help this guy. This guy comes to him, and he's really upset about his son. His son is, uh, is ill, and he wants Jesus to help him. And Jesus says, uh, the guy says, can you help me? You know, he's desperate. He's, he's scared. He's terrified. He's got doubts that's going on in this story. And he walks up to the and says, can you help me? And Jesus says, I can help you if you will believe. And the man says, what I think are some of the most powerful words in all of the Bible, the man responds back to Jesus, I believe. Help my unbelief. I believe as much as I can. There's a little bit where I'm not sure, but God, I, I believe as much as I can. And I want to invite you today to not just stay in the place that you walked in here in. Don't just stay in a place of, of terror or confusion or doubt. In fact, here's the big thought that I want to leave with you. Here's the big idea, the big invitation. No matter what place you are in, it doesn't mean you can't come to Jesus. You walked in here with doubts, you can come to Jesus. You walked in here afraid, you can come to Jesus. You walked in here not sure, confused a little bit, hopeless, then run to Jesus. Peter ran to that tomb, but he walked away amazed. They ran to that tomb doubting, but he walked away amazed. They went to that tomb hopeless. They found themselves scared and confused, but they walked away telling everybody about the reality, the historical reality, that Jesus did beat death and sin and resurrected. I've had conversations with people. I've, 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 I've done this uh, Bible explaining thing for over 20 years now. 
And I have a lot of conversations after services like this, and I'm talking to people in every one of these headspaces. I've talked to people. In fact, right now, in my mind, I can see the person, and I can hear the person that comes to me and says, I don't know if I can trust Jesus. I'm not real sure about all of this. I don't know if I can trust Jesus. I'm a little afraid. I'm a little bothered by these things. I've seen those people. I can see them in my mind. And every one of them did not need to stay away from Jesus. Every one of them could trust Jesus. Here in just a moment, at the close of the service, I want to invite you to, to take a step towards Jesus. Run to Jesus if you have to. Right over here to my left, there's some tables set up. There's some chairs set up. There's going to be some friends over there, nice people, a lot like you. They're willing to just answer any questions you have. Don't leave today without taking a step towards Jesus. Don't leave today without trusting Jesus. You can walk over there and talk to people, or better yet, or more direct, if you want to take out your phone right now and text the word TALK to 501-377-9965, that'll start a conversation with our pastors and our ministers. Right where you are, you can do that. Right now, right here in this moment. Don't leave here in the same spots that you came in here. Remember, you can run away. You can walk away from here the same way millions of people have for thousands of years, amazed by Jesus. When I was in the fourth grade, uh, there was a science fair at my school, at my elementary school. I'd never been to a science fair before, but I was super excited about this science fair. I wanted to be in this. Maybe I'd seen it on television or something, uh, like Full House. Uh, you know, I can imagine, you know, DJ had a science fair or something. And so I was excited about having a science fair. And there was something about this idea of researching and, and building a presentation and then giving a presentation. And I was going to stand it up there and I was going to do all this kind of stuff. And I was super excited about my elementary school having a science fair. It became a huge thing in my family. My dad and my mom, they helped me uh, uh, build the presentation. My dad talked me through everything. They coached me through how to, how to uh, put the stuff there. They asked me the right questions. I remember specifically my dad and I having a whole conversation about a hypothesis, what a hypothesis was, and how I had to come up with one of those, and how I was going to put it there on the board and where it needed to go. I remember that whole conversation. I remember all of the work that we put into it. The week came of the science fair, and our school was abuzz. Everyone was talking about the science fair. I seem to remember that the award was just ribbons, but everybody wanted that blue ribbon, you know? We all wanted that. So the day finally got there. That morning, we wake up. It's time for the science fair, and I woke up sick, sick as a dog. I had a fever. I was coughing. I wasn't feeling well at all. I wasn't able to go to the science fair, and I was so disappointed. My parents made sure that my presentation got there and was at least set up, you know, for all of the tables there in our gym. You know, it was all set up there, but it didn't matter. I wasn't able to compete in the science fair because I was not there. I was disqualified. All of the work, all of the research, all of the stretching my mind, all of the nervousness, I can't do this, I can do this. All of that wrapped up, and then finally, at the very last minute, I am disqualified because I wasn't there. I understand why that happened, but it still didn't help the fact that I was disappointed. Jesus isn't like that. You don't have to be perfect. You don't have to walk in here with no doubts, no fears, totally confident and understanding everything to come to Jesus. Just come to Jesus, and he will accept you, he will heal you, he will save you. And that's amazing. Thank you for listening to the preaching and teaching ministry of Second Baptist. We hope that we will see you in person this next Sunday. 
To find more information about service times, location, and ministry offerings, visit mysecond.family. Thank you for listening.